Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck stirs? What's happening? Everything all right? Are you okay? Did you get vaxxed? Are you half-vaxxed? Are you fully vaxxed? Are you not vaxxed? Are you not vaxxing? Silly boys, silly girls, silly theys. Get the vax. Let's push it back. What's the problem? You, you You got vaccines when you were a kid. Stop being weird. Get the vax. Let's stop this shit already. Today on the show, I talked to Katie Segal. Uh, you know her from Married with Children and Sons of Anarchy. She has a new show on ABC called Rebel. She also grew up in show business. Yes, her family's a show business family. She's an accomplished singer. And uh, I, I would like you to know that uh, this show is uh, a lot of recovery talk. It's like a recovery week here. But that's okay. It's good. We get into some of the food issue stuff, some of the codependent dirty co stuff. Are you a dirty co? Get into some of the drinky druggy stuff, because I don't care what anybody says or how anybody reacted around, uh, you know, Hunter. But uh, the truth is, addicts and alcoholics are stigmatized. Anybody who needs help and is openly asking for help. Uh, is stigmatized in this country. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it kind of, it, it's along the same arc as anti-vaxxers. It's like you should be able to to, to uh, fight it. You should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You should be able to, to, uh, to not need help. That's, you know, you're not really sick. Your body's fine. It's your brain, but it's just not true. But societally, that is still, uh, that is still the deal. And that's one of the reasons that anonymous is anonymous. You know, I choose to be public about my sobriety because I think it helps other people. But a lot of people can't because they'll be judged. Goes on your record. That's one of the reasons it's anonymous. You know what I mean? Got to keep it to yourself unless you want to be public about it to help other people. That's my belief. But in the out there in the world, no matter how much of it is out there, no matter how many people know people who have drug problems, there's still some part of it that. You know, people look at them as weak or as a problem or as potentially uh, uh, trouble. Some of that may be true. But uh, but either way, uh, it should be recognized as something that people need help with and, and accepted as as a a sickness. Anyway, all that being said, Katie Segal is here and we did talk about it a bit. 
Did you guys watch that uh, that documentary on uh, HBO Max or HBO or whatever the fuck it is? What is it? Q Into the Storm? What a great uh, documentary. It really was well done. This guy invested... What's this guy's name? Cullen Hoback. He went in, he went in there, man. He saw he's he's he was there at the beginning of Q and at the beginning of the of the problem and he put 3 years into this, figured out the through line, figured out the players, figured out the effect it had on people and really kind of made a kind of well-rounded, well-researched and true doc. Did not infuse himself too much into it. Like so many documentarians do, they become part of it. Their ego, you know, needs the attention and the, it becomes half about them. He didn't do that. He was there. His presence was felt. And he didn't really cross the line except for once. And it was uh, for good reason and really added to the drama of the thing. But you do kind of get to the end of the line of this thing and realize that the entire Q phenomenon was spearheaded by you know, most likely, seemingly, uh, this father and son team of nihilistic nerds who kind of broke the brains of millions of people and uh, broke the world. The fact that a couple of malcontents with malintentions could start this up online and break the fucking world and sort of send thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's brains spinning away from them into a direction they to the point where they might not get their brains back is sort of uh, daunting and terrifying that it was that easy. Granted, look, man, I'm not saying they're all powerful. People really want to believe things. They really want stories that have closure. They want things to be explained. They want their anger to be honored. They want to feel part of something bigger than themselves. And if you get them angry enough and frothed up enough, they'll kill people to realize it. But uh, it does get to the bottom of it. It makes me think about how do these people that got played by this bullshit feel? I mean, I know most of them are too proud to admit they got played and probably will just, you know, kind of live off the fumes of the thing and try to pull out what they think is true and real that has some substantiation. But how does it feel to be that fucking played obviously look man we're all marks we've all been played by one thing or another uh and and that's sort of a one of the um the hinges of conspiratorial thinking it's like what are you a mark for what do you how do you know what you know is real you know what do you base your perception on what do you think your uh, identity is hanging on what are the facts who are you really what is true really you know i mean that's the game right we're all kind of marks, but to see where this went just for the the sort of power tripping goof of a couple of fucking people who figured it out online and then it got glommed onto by thousands and thousands of lost angry people, but also it got taken advantage of by people who were hip to the power of it. Then they hip the uh, the pathological lying pig president, and he glommed onto it and used it. It was kind of fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating. That a couple of people, expats, father and son team, maybe, could break the fucking world. Break the brains. Disassociate hundreds of thousands of people 
and start a viral series of ideas that eat away at the truth like acid. So Katie Segal and I, I think that there's a moment here and you'll hear it uh, during our conversation where there's this kind of aha, we are alike moment and it's around food issues. You know, I guess people who know me and know this show know that I'm kind of fucked up like that. But I, I will tell you this, as a man, as a he, his, you can call me they if you want. But, uh, you know, I am a I am a dude with uh, massive food issues, massive body dysmorphia, uh, hyper aware, like to the point where, like, if I feel uncomfortable in my body because of what I perceive as being heavy or weight or or fat or whatever I perceive, that feeling is so paralyzing that I almost can't breathe. I can't be touched. I don't want to be seen. I, you know, I, there have been times where I don't want to live, you know, despite all of my other, uh, what some people would say, neuroses, which they are not. I mean, but outside of, aside from my, you know, drug addiction in the past, my addictive personality or whatever shortcomings I may have, however I may be fucked up, whatever I may think of myself, these food issues, these, these, Eating issues are the deepest ones, and they're they're completely fucking paralyzing and terrible. Uh, you know, to be so aware all the time of what you eat, why you eat it, and then the cycles of self hatred, the cycles of body hatred, the cycles of you know compulsive weighing, and then if you do get into a role where you start losing weight, that thrill of 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 being sort of exhausted and loopy from being anorexic in your intent to maintain a certain weight or keep getting lower if you look at the third season of glow i'm surprised that nobody thought i had cancer as that character because i started to lose a little weight just so i could eat on set and not feel bad about it but then it got away from me and i just kept losing and losing and i looked terrible but it's very hard for me to balance that shit so much of my sense of self is wrapped up in how i feel about my weight i can't even explain it how fucking deep that issue is and how like it makes you want to die inside. And oddly, you know, I probably don't get the help or or work a program around it that I should, because it really is my deepest issue. But, but it was just to say that, just to say that you're not alone out there, fellas who uh, pinch themselves when they feel fat or have a series of poking gestures around their stomach to check the density of what they perceive as their weight. Maybe that's uniquely me. I don't know. But I do know that me and Katie bonded around that. We bonded around Jew stuff. We bonded around booze and drugs and recovery. And it was a great talk. It was great to see her. I felt like we'd known each other for, for centuries. Uh, her new show, Rebel, airs Thursdays on ABC. It premieres tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, this is me uh, talking to a Katie Sick. 
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Go. I'm really happy to be here, by the way. Nice to see you. I'm a big fan. Are you? Uh-huh. That's very nice he is. So true. I watched the the pilot huh. of the new thing. What'd you think? Of Rebel. It's exciting. You know, it's yeah. a it's you're out there kicking ass with a with like nine kids, all all different uh, races and genders. Yes, many different husbands. Yes, <laughs> I, I I think it's interesting that how some shows seek to accommodate the diversity. How are you going to do it? Yes. Well, even though no, actually, uh, yeah, no, this is a fictitious uh, right. approach. Right. Right. But like it's it's I've never seen it done like this where it's like that's your kid too. Yeah. And then <laughs> all different races. <laughs> <laughs> but you can carry it. The, it the character it does. But the character seems like somebody who would who could do that. Absolutely. Well, she's got three different husbands. And, yeah. You know, one's adopted, one kid's adopted. Oh, okay. So right. you know, they're all just yeah. different races. And one's a doctor from a cop. One's a doctor from a cop. One's a lawyer from a lawyer. After being a juvenile delinquent. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no I'm not a lawyer. Oh no, no her no. dad's a lawyer. Right. Yeah, so you know more. Right. Um, I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> It's not important. You know, you just walk in. We're mid, you know, we're midway. I mean, I actually did see the pilot, but it was, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but uh, looking, watching myself is not always my favorite thing to do. I can't, I, it's hard. Yeah. And I zipped out. I was sort of like, oh, I think this is, you know, I just kind of, yeah, I, it was out of body. Experience. What, what, what do you, what do you experience when you do it? Like when you watch yourself, what is, what is the feeling? Uh, first I'm hypercritical. Right. You know, uh, hyper, like way too hypercritical and really self-obsessed. Yeah. Like all I can see is me. Right. Oh, well, yeah. It's, yeah. And then I have to watch, if I watch it again <laughs> yeah. a couple of times, then I can see the whole project. Uh-huh. But right. at first I'm just like all oh, about yeah. me. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty much all about me on every viewing and then occasionally- <laughs> And then occasionally I'm like, I'm working with somebody. They're doing a good job. Thank God they're doing such a good job. <laughs> but uh, I've gotten less critical of myself as time goes on. Oh. But it's hard when you watch yourself on television because it, it if you're hypercritical of it, it's it's all stilted. It's just the nature of the medium, right? Because they're, they're not, you know, you're pulling off a trick and acting like you're really talking to somebody in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like in the sense that like a lot of dialogue that happens in those compressed stories, is sort of unnatural. Uh, yes. So well, yes. In general. Right. So for me, like I always feel that weird air in between lines if I'm watching myself, like because it's not you're acting. So it's not quite natural. And I'm like, oh, why can I if we looked more relaxed 
or why didn't I make it seem more natural or, you know. Yeah. Or why couldn't they have shot this when it was off camera? It was so much better. Yeah. We were so loose. So, so loose and so much better. Didn't uh, give a shit. Just threw it away. Yeah. So this is based on Aaron Brockovich, kind of? Yes. It's inspired by Aaron Brockovich. And she's involved? She's an executive producer. Yeah. I think she's a fan of mine. Oh. I how, think. I'm sure she is. Well, I mean, she, we've tweeted at each other. Oh, yeah. I don't she, know how, you know. She's very cool. Yeah. I think she would. Yeah. You should have her on your show. She's awesome. I think it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. She's really great. And uh, fighting the good fight. So, yeah, the, it's loosely based. Well, yeah, it's inspired by her, but we don't have her life rights. So it's not her life. It's just. She wouldn't give them or they're uh, already owned or just spoken for. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know. <laughs> she's an executive producer, but she can't give you the life yeah. rights because she's promised that. She might have given them to somebody else. She's going to do something awesome. That's right. why she gave them to them. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but she is involved, and it is sort of inspired by her. And you're sort of like, uh, 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 what would you call this character? Sort She's of a, a consumer advocate, a voice for the little guy. Yeah, that's what she is. What network is it on? It's on ABC. Andy Garcia. He's Haven't seen him in a while. So awesome. Is it fun to work with him? Oh my god! Well, he's such a movie star. So. He's got all these like killer movie star stories. Which Wait, does I, he? And oh. he sits around and tells them. Yeah, in the most endearing, fabulous way. Like he'll just throw out the names of these famous directors. And uh-huh. This one did this, and this one did that, and you know, I'm just like I, I'm enthralled. Yeah, I he, love the way he tells stories. He's intense. It seems he's intense. Well, he's Cuban, yeah. and so he has this passionate Cuban way, and he's very. Um, you know, he's proud of being Cuban. He loves that he's playing a Cuban yeah, character. Right, yeah, sure. You know, and he'll tell yeah. the director, oh, that's not how the Cuban would do it. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> it's a different rhythm. But he does. He has. He's a very passionate, super yeah. funny dude. Yeah. I mean, people don't think he's would be funny. He's funny. I, I think he's funny. I, I, he, I've seen him kind of play that dry funny in the Oceans movies. Yeah, sometimes he, he's funny. He's sort of the straight guy. He's kind of the steaming funny guy. Yeah. The guy who's like always <laughs> getting fucked. Yeah, and in this project, he kind of just, you know, I, I just order him around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he, he loves me, but he takes it. I guess so. You like it? Ordering people around? Yeah. I actually don't in my real life, <laughs> but it's super fun to play. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because <laughs> they listen. Burn a, it kind of gets a, gets a little off your chest. It does. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It's very liberating. And then there's that other guy from Northern Exposure who I feel like I haven't seen him forever. John Corbett. John Corbett. Yeah. It's so interesting to check in with people as they get older. Like, oh, you're doing all right. Yeah. he's yeah. Oh, he's doing fine. Yeah. He's like in all these, he's in that, uh, what's that Netflix, All the Boys I Loved Before or all oh, the things. Oh, right, right. I, yeah, yeah. He's in that. He's in that. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's, you know, he's Mr. Dreamy guy. He, Is he, he a nice guy? At, he's a super nice guy. Really? Yeah. I'm you not going to say, say anything bad about anybody I'm working with right now. No, no. I, I don't so know. far, everybody's I don't good. know why I asked you that. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to say? What am I going to say? Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. Don't say anything to anybody. But no. <laughs> no, he's cool. Yeah. Everybody's pretty cool so far. Everybody's grateful to have a job after everything that we've just all been through. Did uh, Were you shooting it with protocols? When how, were, we, we are now. You I are mean, now? Oh, right, right. We right. were about to shoot the pilot just when all this went down. And, oh, okay. And so everything the, shut down. So how much have you shot? We are on episode six. Oh, so you guys are going up and you're going to be in it while they're airing. Yeah. And we just have a 10 episode wow. order. So, that doesn't usually happen. Usually they're all in the can, aren't they? Or am I ma- making that up? No, no they, they are. They usually. are. And there's a whole, you know, there's that ridiculous pilot process, which we got to skip. We just, they just picked us up straight to series. Oh, as opposed to uh, shooting a pilot and waiting around and right. then hearing if you do right. so. So 
you seem like you've never really stopped working. Well, uh, no. I mean, yes, I have stopped working. I mean, I have three children, so I've stopped, you know, stopped to have and started. them and to be yeah, with to, them To have them and be with them. and um, <laughs> try, I, uh, try to make them turn out okay. Yeah, and they're so far so good. So, How old? I have 26, 25, and 14. I have 14. a teenager at home. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm an old mom. I had a ma I had a kid with Kurt who's my third husband. I mean it's kind of, you know, yeah. a little bit like the, the part Sons I'm playing. Of Anarchy guy. Sons of Anarchy guy. Yep. He and created that show? He created it. He yeah. He and he fell it. in love on the set of the biker show? No, 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 no. <laughs> we met in a uh twelve step program and familiar. I'm familiar with those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm long time in that. So All we, of them or just one? Two? Oh, I've been to all. <laughs> I've been to <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a few more in my future. Uh, I too am quite obsessive. So yeah. um, no, we met in a twelve-step room, uh-huh. and uh, he was working on the Shield. He worked on that show, Chickless, with Chickless, and I was, uh, you know, getting out of the marriage number two. And uh, I don't know if I had a gig then. Oh, I think I was on um, Eight Simple Rules, which uh-huh. is a show I did with John Ritter, and uh, and then you know he wrote the motorcycle show with me in mind uh after we were married so really yeah it was nice actually she was written to be a smaller character and then the network was like nah let's bump her up that's nice so he's got the the swaggering you know chickless and then the swaggering uh you yeah which was so great in my career because i had been so known for comedy that it had been very difficult for people to realize that i'm actually not funny and i'm much more serious than that which is (laughs) totally the truth and so he wrote me this great dramatic role and um and it was really, uh, it, it a, opened finally. A life changer? Kind of, yeah, work-wise. But um, you grew up in show business, which always, like, and I read that, so, and it fascinates me when people grow up in this business. Yeah. Because it seems like, I mean, you were here when it was, you know, glamorous and exciting and My life, great. not glamorous. It was my father... This is the part everybody doesn't know. What? You know, it's hardworking. My dad was an episodic television director, basically. Yeah. You know, he did uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E., oh, he did wow. Dr. Old Kildare, stuff. old, old stuff. And, you know, worked his butt off. I mean, He never he, did films? He did. He did um, The Omega Man. Did oh, you ever yeah. Heard the Omega Man? With yeah. Charlton Heston? Yeah. That was his movie. And uh, I think ultimately he would have liked to have done more films, but he had a family with five kids. and Five kids? Yeah. There are five of you? Yeah. Five of us. Same mom? Same mom. Where did he come from? My dad was from Russia, came here when he was seven with his Yiddish mother who never ever spoke English. What part of Russia? They were from what is now, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name right. Is it Belarus? Ukraine? Ukraine. They're from Ukraine. They're from Ukraine. Yeah, that's where uh, my family's from, part of it. So his side, his side is that. The other side is apparently I'm an Amish person from the other side. What are you talking about? I did that show. You know that show, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Oh, yeah. I did another one. Yeah. Oh, you did The Roots? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I saw your roots. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah. It was was all Jew. It was a Jew roots. It was a Jew roots. It was was me and Terry Gross and Jeff Goldblum. Oh, it was fantastic. I saw that episode. I loved it. Yeah. No, and I thought for sure when they, you know, they they put you on that show, they don't tell you what they're going to do. Sure. So I thought for sure they're taking me to Russia because that's the most interesting part of my life. Yeah. Turns out my mother uh, is Amish, was Amish royalty, like way back. So they're taking me to Pennsylvania. I'm meeting all. And these you old thought she was Jewish? 
No, no. I knew my mother was not Jewish. I oh. knew she was a white person okay. from like, you know, <laughs> Pennsylvania? Some, from Pennsylvania, somewhere. Yeah. She was like a big mix of stuff. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, so I'm Amish and Russian. So they, <laughs> they took you to, the, to Amish land? They did. And, and they took did. me generations back. I met all these cousins named Hofstedler. I mean, it was oh really wild. That man. seems so like incongruous to yes. who you are and who you're. Did, did that affect your sense of identity? Well, I do. No, I was going to make a joke, but no, I'm not going to say that. Um, uh, no, not really. I've always felt more uh, sort of a Russian Jewish. My father was a very big personality. And so, you know, I've always felt stronger on that side of my family. Was your mom in show business? My mother was. My mother started as a singer yeah. when she was 11. She oh. was called the Singing Sweetheart of Cherokee County and had her own radio show. Really? Where was this? In Gaffney, South Carolina. So she was on like the old timey radio show? Yeah, like 15 minutes a day. For, like, you know, if it's probably sponsored by a flower yeah, like yeah. Or a sausage or something? Something. I tried to yeah. track it down. I could never find it. Oh, nothing, huh? But then she went on to be a writer. She worked for, uh, well, here's a long story. She worked for Norman Lear. Norman Lear. I interviewed him. Ah, he's, he's 100 best. now. Well, how old is he? He's so like 97. It's crazy. He's my godfather. Really? He introduced my parents. My mother and my father. What was he doing then? Like writing for Danny Thomas or something? Yiddish theater. Yiddish theater in New York or here? Here? Out here. No kidding. So it was before television? No. Television was happening because my mother was the script supervisor on the Martin and Lewis show. Okay. The variety show. Yeah. Right. My parents have been dead a long time, so it's kind of like lore. Yeah. But anyway, so my mother was working for Norman. Norman knew my dad through directing in the Yiddish theater and hooked him up. Your dad directed in Yiddish theater too? Yes, my dad. So everybody spoke Yiddish? Everybody, Yiddish. Did you? No. No. My grandparents used to when they didn't want me to understand what they were talking about. Right. My grandmother always did. She never learned English. Really? No. She never spoke English. And you guys grew up in like Hollywood? I was born in Hollywood. And then I grew up all around... You know, my dad was like a journeyman. You know, he did what we did, like circus people. Yeah. So, you know, we grew up, I just moved around a lot as the family grew. In this just, area? Yeah, we ended up on the west side. Yeah. Because things got, things were well, things were good. Right. Yeah, but I just And they stayed married? Your parents? Well, my mother, my mother died when uh, she was 47. She was young. Oh, my God. From so what? She had heart disease. Um, it's terrible. Yeah, and she had some other stuff and uh so my mom died when i was 19 20 mm. and then uh and then my dad remarried and my dad remarried do you know who gower and march champion are i know i wish i did they were like the fred and ginger of broadway oh, okay so, okay anyway march champion was big so he married march champion the so dancer she was yes the dancer okay <laughs> she was my stepmother until you know my father died then it gets all sad. It gets a little bit sad. Well, let's, get, let's do it at the beginning here. The sad part? Sure. Okay. Yeah. All in my 20s was a little bit funky. Lots of loss. Lots of sad. He died? How did he die? Uh, he was killed on a set. Uh, my dad was directing a movie called World War Three, and he was on. he was doing second unit, and he was up on a mountain with a helicopter, and he um, he got disoriented, couldn't get a shot. Walked the wrong direction into the helicopter. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that was like a very, that was uh, horrific. And you're in your 20s. 
I'm in my 20s. And you got, how, how many, you, you, how, where are you in the sibling? I'm lineup? number one. I'm the first. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. So you got all these younger siblings, and, and now both parents are gone. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to say that I kind of stepped in, but I didn't. I just sort of, I just checked out. I just got further and further into uh, a dark hole. Well, what were you doing at that time? When did you start, like, manifesting your talents? Well, you know, I worked as a musician. I, I never... I never wanted to be an actor. Right. But like when you were a kid with all this show business around, were you doing stuff? Were you singing and dancing? Were you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in bands. I was like, um, my the... mom taught me to play the guitar. What, like in the late 10. 60s kind of deal? Yeah. No, no, no. My mom taught me to play the guitar mid-60s. Yeah. Like I was 10, 11. Yeah. And uh, I could always sing. I was a singer. And I had this kind of, you know... I had an ability. I was good. And right. so from a young age, I was sort of, I was in bands. Rock I, bands? Rock bands with Great. the older boys. Yeah. It was fun. Anybody like, did anyone go on to do big things in your rock bands? Uh, not from high school, but later on I met a lot of, yeah. Well, then you were like, I think in rock, the rock business, weren't you? Well, I- Basically? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was, you know, kind of a struggling, I mean, I did, I made records and I was a struggling background singer and I- I was like a demo singer, you know, they'd put you in the studio. So how does this work? So okay, so you're Norman Lear's your godfather. So you you're you you spend time on sets, I imagine, as a kid. Yeah. If I wanted friends in elementary school, yeah. I'd bring them to the set. Wrong. <laughs> okay. They didn't like me otherwise. And so, you, you you never got worked into a show? You had, I did. My father, when I was sixteen, he yeah. decided my my dad always thought I should be an actor, right. which is one reason I never wanted to be an actor because uh -huh. he wanted me to be one. Uh -huh. That's another story. But he why wanted were you me pushing back on the old man? Just pushing back, yeah. just because that's my nature. Yeah, was he like a what kind of a Jew was he? Was he a like a uh, like a stocky kind of loud Jew? Loud cigars involved? Cigars? Okay, ascots on the set. <laughs> If you go to any set, I, every set I've worked yeah. on, people knew my dad. Really? And they loved him. They loved him. And I would look at what them and like, name? Boris, mm. Boris Segal. Mm -hmm. Loved him. And then I would, I would you know, because he was different when he came home. He was tired and loud. And I remember thinking. Is loud a nice word for angry? Mm, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big, big. Not yeah. boozy, though? Um. You know, boozy in that. No, not 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 alcoholic like me. Right. But boozy in that like martini way, like okay. every day at whatever. Sure. You know, when you come home in a yeah. little Milltown. Do you remember Milltown? The liquor? No, no. That's a pill. Oh, that's it's like a pill? A, yeah. It's oh, kind it's of like, like a pre-valium value? Pre-valium. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was that. And um, yeah, so he was that guy. And uh, so I didn't, whatever he said, you know, he said left and I said right. That was that kind Just of relationship. Just to define yourself. Pretty much. Mm. And um, So did he work you in somewhere? He did. He wanted me to have a union card. So he wanted me to have health insurance. Yeah. So when I was 16, he wrote me into, he got me a job on this TV movie that he did with Dean Stockwell. Oh, Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And uh, so I had a part on that. And then he also directed me in a Columbo. I was, this is in my high school. I was in high school because you had to have two jobs to get a union card. Right. right? To be Taft-Hartley. Right. In. Exactly. Yeah. So he got me a union card, which to this day, I'm just so, you know, because it's hard to get in the union. When is you're, it? Oh my gosh! I have two my my older kids are both actors. Yeah, yeah that's a big hurdle. They they're in the union. Now. Why why be, why? Because there's less union shoots or or, or like no, cause don't you have to sort of get 
Taff Hartley after two jobs anyways. You're only allowed to have two jobs before. Yeah. But you can't get a job. It's kind of that catch-22. Oh, right. like, I get you. Have to yeah, be yeah. Union. Someone has to give it to you. Exactly. You got it right. right. Yeah. You have to know somebody. Right. I got mine from my uh, friend Steve Brill put me in The Mighty Ducks 2. Oh. I was cut out, but I got my card. <laughs> I don't Who remember. Who cares? What, it's yeah. good to get your card. So you did Columbo? Do you like that? Must have been exciting, though, right? Did you Peter Falk? No, nothing. I did a, a movie later, years later, with Peter Falk. Right you did? at the end of his life, yes. Oh. And that, um, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty great. Uh, I don't really remember him when he was Columbo. I remember Jeff Goldblum was on the episode that I did. A young Jeff I, I Goldblum. I totally remember him. Well, yeah. he's so quirky and weird. He was so quirky and weird, and he gave me a ride home, and I was sort of thinking, like, wow, is he hitting on me? I don't know what he's was doing. he. He might have been. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> talked to him. You know, I haven't talked to him since. So, but I think he's quite the I'm quite sure the man be, about town. He'd love to hear. It. He'd be like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> of course I remember." Maybe him. he was. Um, yeah, but then uh, you know, then I just I really wanted. To, I love to play music. That's what I yeah. love to do. I still do. But like, I'm I'm trying to picture. This. I always like am fascinated with this time in Hollywood. Where you were, you were like in your twenties in the seventies, which is like that was the decade where it was just like a party in the streets, right? It was insanity everywhere, just drugs, music, yep, people, you know, where like it was like post hippie insanity. Well, it was actually it was kind of so. Nineteen seventy five. I'm twenty years old. So it was that period all the way through mid eighties that it was really. You know, it took a big shift too. The hair got bad. The hair got bad. The shoulder pads got big. Yeah, like and the mid seventies. Like so, when you were in high school, or eighteen or seventeen, that was when it was cool. Then we probably had the best pants. Yeah, and then and then it got. <laughs> I was sort of like in between. I was like, you know, pre like go to San Francisco and protest the war. Sixty nine. I was thirteen. Right. You so know, yeah, was, you missed. Must have been much yeah, better yeah, to be sixteen. And yeah. I wasn't. Right. But you got the 70s, though. So you got the I music the and the cars yeah. and the, everything. Yeah. And you start singing per, in a band in high school. Start singing in a band in high school. And, and then when do you start to go professional? How does that happen? Uh, I went to CalArts out of high school. Go, oh, out in Valencia or wherever yeah. it is? Where is it? It's in, in Valencia. And yeah, my dad. So many said, people went there. Yeah, Don Cheadle, Allison Bree. I was in a class with Paul Rubens. Yeah. David Hasselhoff. Wow. That's a big. Yeah, it was, it was what my dad said to me. I said, well, I want to go to that school because I didn't have any grades uh -huh. in high school. I was completely like, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't get into a regular. What happened? He, Were you using then? Oh, uh, yeah. Told, I was, and I was also just not going to school. What was I, your thing? I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking Red Mountain wine. Red Mountain. Is that I like took Boone's a lot Farm? Or, <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Back, like Black Beauties, White Cross? Black Beauties, White Cross, yeah. Yeah, uh, all that. Wow. The fun stuff, you know. Benzies. Benzies. Second all. Second all. That's the other way. Yeah. My so mom had a lot of second all in the house. Oh, really? Yeah. That's my, lucky. Yeah. Well, that was that generation, too. I mean, it was like. They right. Just, second all, Valium, up, Librium. Down. Yeah. All that. And the diet pills. Oh, that's exactly what started. That's how it started. What? The diet pills? I was a fat kid, apparently. Even though I looked at myself, I just thought I'd looked, you know, curvy. But I was my, a fat kid. No, I was told I was a fat kid. You were kid. a fat kid? I was, my mother made me believe that. Do you still think you're a fat kid? Yeah. I'm obese right now. 100%. I, can, I, I, I hear you. Oh, man. Do you have to do that thing where you just can't look in the mirror sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Body dysmorphia, it's called. I have body dysmorphia. I'm, it's, it's my deepest issue. 
oh my god we are so alike <laughs> i just saw a billboard of myself <laughs> a, a fucking billboard of myself in you know this rebel show that i'm in yeah i call this girl that that i sponsor and she says take a picture i take the picture i said oh i look fat <laughs> i can't and she's like she said you are insane i said look i know i, I know i'm nuts but that's what i see I'm I'm so fucking nuts. I can't I, I can't shake it. It's a tough one to shake because my mother's anorexic. So like I grew uh. up with this. My mother recently, or as many times in my life, has said, uh, "I if, I don't think I could love you if you were fat." Uh. That, but 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 it turns out that was not even true. She said to me like a few Thanksgivings ago, just casually, she said, you know, Mark, when you were a baby, I don't think I knew how to love you. Oh. I'm like, I guess I guess we've solved it. <laughs> <laughs> or you should have said, I knew that. I, I kind of pieced that together. I just, the, the weird sort of glib honesty was kind of mind-blowing. But, what, the, but the point about the weight is she has maintained a weight of like 116 wow. pounds for decades. Wow. And it's all, she, that's her whole life. Yeah. She's obsessed. So she passed that on to you. Totally. Yeah. And it's the worst. It is the worst. I weighed myself this morning and I was like, wow. I'm, I, like, it, I had a body dysmorphia morning because like last night I was like, I'm fucked. And I exercise constantly. Yeah, you look and great, I, by the you, way. Thank you. And I got on the scale this morning. I'm like, wow, I was wrong. This is an okay day. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put away the scale. This is so funny. We're having this conversation. My husband and I are both this way. We're all. You, did you make him that way though? Oh because, no no no! He came to me that way. Because I, I, you can make people this way that you're with. My children. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I noticed that about relationships I've had, and I noticed it about my father because it's contagious. Because uh-huh. they start to get self conscious. Like if you're that crazy, they're like, "Is it? Do I look fat?" You know, and it just it spreads through the whole family. It does. It's well, it's alcoholism. It's it's yeah. it's the same thing. Is it? Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, anything that fills the hole, so to speak. Uh, I'm just I'm having a carb problem are right you? now. Oh, I'm like I'm like I can't I cannot do it. Like, you mean I, you can't have them, or you're just overdoing them? Well, no, I just want them. You just I'm want them. I'm jonesing because I'm feeding it. I'm not really overdoing it, but I do beat the shit out of myself in order not to. Well, it's your head more. I mean, for me, it is. I find that over you're the great. years, I, yeah, and I've been able to moderate. I can kind of eat most things. Yeah. Like, well, even that bag of Swedish fish last night was probably not a great what idea. Wait, I can't eat. I'm, I'm so glad I don't have that. You don't have the candy sugar thing? I like chocolate and cake and pie. Okay. But I don't like gummy bears and <laughs> Swedish fish. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you know that's an eating, uh, that's a, you know, the, the excuse for gummy bears and all that is because there's no, um, it's Carby. just straight, straight, straight sugar. sugar. No yeah. Carby. Anyway, I think the point is that I think with years of recovery, yeah. what I've learned. Do you do OA? Uh, I have been. I did not really Kind of qualify. feel shitty going there, don't well, you? I was totally embarrassed. Didn't want to go. The in skinny fact, person at OA, the worst. Well, well, here was the worst. Uh-huh. It used to be in the old days, you know, uh-huh. every rag magazine would, would infest the 12-step world. Uh-huh. So oh. I didn't mind right. that the National Enquirer said I was like a, a drug addict. But right. when they said I was like a I was like totally mortified. I thought, no. Oh, I didn't realize they did that. That was happening? Oh, my God. They used to be. What time were you in the 80s? When? You know, when I got sober, I got sober when I was uh, in 1986. And I got sober at the Log Cabin in West Hollywood. Architects of Adversity? Oh, my favorite. That was my favorite when they throw chairs around (laughs) shit. 
But so so the the press would would break anonymity. Oh, the press would be there. That's when I learned really quickly to share in a general way because almost everything I'd ever said in a twelve step room. That's so fucking heinous. Because I don't. I don't. Is that still happening? I don't feel that it's I, happening. I don't. Thinks I don't read the I don't I, guess, I don't look. I guess there was sort of a wave where like, you know, AA was sort of like somehow it seemed like there was a time where people would meet people at meetings. There was a hip factor to meetings oh. for a while, right? Well when I That's got, definitely not the case. No, the, you used to in the eighties we'd get dressed up to go to meetings. Yeah. I mean it was like you know, because you, if you figure you're an addict since you're young, you're right. sort of socially inept. You have a lot of social anxiety, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that was part of my thing. Uh-huh. I couldn't deal with people. Right. So I get sober, and there would be the, these social meetings where, you know, my sponsor would sure. say to me, yeah, go. Talk to people. I'd be like, I, I don't, I, you know. Oh, you'd want to look good, man. If you're going to Third and Gardner, you better look fucking Third good. Third and Gardner. <laughs> Like it's like this royalty sitting at the front, right. like the whole fucking thing. Or Rodeo. Did uh, you ever? Well, I don't know if you. If Rodeo, I went to Rodeo like once or twice, but I was uh, like, I got sober in New York, so oh. I've been out here since two thousand and two, and I was sort of a, a East Side guy, you know, Silver Lake. But I dressed up. You want to look good? Yeah, you do. Well, you know, it's like social, and there's cute girls and cute boys, and keep everyone's back. working it too. Kind of. Well, you know, the ones uh, I remember when I first got sober and. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just all over like whatever dude was. Cu- I mean, I was you know anything to, to, to fix. I have to put a trigger warning on this episode for bleeding, <laughs> bleeding deacons who, who hold on to the tradition. Like you guys, you're breaking the tradition. Yeah, well. Yeah, but I remember the guys that were actually you know cool dudes yeah. would just look at me and say, you know what, you're not sober long enough. Just sit down. Oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very pretty. Sit down. That's right. Don't talk. <laughs> But wait, let's go back. So you start on diet pills, and that's where it starts. Yeah, when I was fourteen, my parents. Who told took you you're fat? My dad, oh, the director. Yeah. My dad, the director. The house had to be perfect. Yeah. I was supposed to be perfect. Even though what's funny is, you know, he had a food thing. Mm. So like, you know, he was just projecting onto me. But what do you mean? He was self conscious about it. No, or? His weight would go up and down. He was like a food guy. He was like a. But he knew it. He'd be uncomfortable fat. Always on a diet. Oh, not a not comfortable. On a diet. Not like, a happy fat guy. Yeah, not a happy fat guy. Oh, okay. And he wasn't really a fat guy. Like yeah. when I look at pictures, nobody yeah. was as, you know. Yeah. So they take me to the doctor, gives me diet pills. I did not, I don't think I lost any weight, but I felt a lot better. <laughs> like yeah. I think I needed, you know, antidepressants. Sure. probably what I needed. Yeah. And so then self-medicating just started then. So, okay. So you found that you felt better. You were still chubby, but you were on your way with but the But I didn't drug. give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> You're thinking, man. You're doing. And that's what I was thinking, and t- t- I taught myself to play the piano. I'm writing songs. I'm prolific. I'm just. This is the way for me. Jacked, jacked. Yeah. Smoking cigarettes. Nice. Drinking wine on the weekends. Mm. Smoking weed. I didn't really think there was any problem and at you were all. Like what? Seventeen. Oh, 14 I started oh, by the yeah. time, but then, you know, the prescriptions would run out. So then I'm buying black beauties, and I'm. Oh yeah. Know, I'm doing a lot of different things. Yellow jackets. Yellow jackets. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, I have not All heard that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then before I know it, it's the 80s. And mm. then, then I'm on the road. Blow. Then I'm like, yeah, then I'm the in that world. The dumbest drug of all. The dumbest drug ever. The speed was so much better. Well. In the sense that like, you know. You, it's cheaper. Well, you can take a pill and longer. you can be by yourself and you didn't have to follow somebody around. 
I could do blow and be by myself. Right, but yes. I mean, you still had to deal with it and it go away quick. Yeah. I mean, you take some pills, it's like you're good for a few hours. You don't have to keep going to the fucking bathroom. Yep, that's true. See, you know all this stuff. <laughs> yes, it's so true. No, but I loved, I did coke too. It just, in like, fiending on coke and how embarrassing that gets. You know, and the places you end up because of that shit, it's crazy. But you, you're on the road with who? How does it start the the music career? How do you get how do you get how do you become a background singer? Well, I dropped out of college. That's why I, I started that. I started. I, I went to Cal Arts for six months with David Hasselhoff. Yeah, and Paul Rubens. And then were you friends uh, with them? Oh yeah, I just talked to Paul. I talked to Paul all the time. Paul's mm-hmm. so great. He's I don't know why he hasn't been on this person. show. Right. He, he's a great guy. You should have him. He's I don't fantastic. know why it hasn't happened. Anyway, so I'm in college and then I drop and I was in the theater department because my yeah. dad would only let me go if I could audition. This is where it all gets kind of like, well, I guess I had some natural talent because right. I got into these places, right? but I didn't want to do it. So I got a job uh, in a Broadway, the a road company of a Broadway show. I was the chorus girl uh-huh. and I just sang in that. Yeah. And I- What show? It was called Two Gentlemen of Verona. Mm. I went on the road for like nine months, yeah. and then I came home, and then I got a job as a singing waitress, and I worked in this restaurant, and then I got a record deal. In the 80s? In the 80s. And uh, now it's, uh, yeah, I think we're almost to the 80s. Yeah. Maybe 70, late set. Whenever Kiss came out, because Kiss, Gene Simmons is who took me to Casablanca Records and got me a record deal. How do you meet the, that monster? I was his waitress. And that's how it <laughs> happened? Yes. And you were his, you were his singing waitress? I was his singing waitress. And, and this was like at the beginning of Kiss? It was their first concert in Los Angeles. Holy shit. And they shit. were playing at the Santa Monica Civic. And they're all from like Long Island, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was probably like still like a, a reasonable rock Jew at that point. Oh, he was a fantastic rock Jew. And yeah. the only person I'd ever met that never had a drink or a drug. I mean, uh-huh. he was wild. He was like straight up business. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was still so is. taken with him. Yes. But you, what I'm saying is you met him before he fully got degenerate. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think his bag is sex, right? Well, I, it was then. I don't know if his bag is still <laughs> sex. I don't know now, but... Like, it's got to come out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his definitely his, his jam. Yeah. And I was, and it turned out that I was in a band at the time with a guy he went to college with. It was just this weird sort of thing that Synchronicity. happened. Synchronicity. And before I knew it, we had a record deal, and I started making records, and then that- Solo records. Well, this was with a band, uh, my first record. What's the band called? It was called The Group With No Name. Not a good name. Horrible name. Terrible. It was Neil Bogart's idea at Casablanca Records. I don't know if you know who that was. I do know that name. He was the prez. The big guy. He was a big guy, yeah. Yeah. So that happened, and then that didn't happen, and then I was like a singer for hire, and I would go back and forth between the restaurant. But you're dating Gene? I did long distance. Yes, I did. Yes. I I guess you call it dating. Right. You know. You'd hook up here and there. Yeah. For me, I was like madly in love, but yeah. he, he was not. But he must have been on the road constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And you sang on a record of his? I did. The, the When they all did their little solo Their solo projects? records. Yeah. Yeah. I sang on his solo record. Oh, yeah. how bad was that? Yeah. I can't remember those records. I, I was not a Kiss kid. I, me neither. I didn't. And it was my age group too, but I didn't go in. I didn't go in because I was in high school then and I didn't. I listened to a lot of rhythm and blues. I, I had a guy who then who turned me on to Robert Johnson when I was in high sure, school. Sure. Yeah, I got that. So I listened to all that. I remember running off to the Ash Grove, which used to, which is now the improv. No, I hear about this place. You know, yeah. which used to burn down yearly. 
Right. <laughs> used to burn down all the time. But I'd go run off and hear Taj Mahal and Willie Dixon. And, yeah, they were always hanging out. Know. Some guys had residencies there. Yeah. So that's where you started singing with those guys or touring no, with them? No. I, well, I toured with Etta James. I sang with Etta. This is after the No Name Band? This is after the No Name got Band. Got no hits? Got no hits. Got no nothing. <laughs> then we moved to Electra Records. Got even less. Who was in that band with you? They still around? Let me. Uh, yes, I think so. Alan, my, I mean, I don't think you would know any of them. Oh, you wouldn't they didn't know go any on to of other them. bands. No, I mean, the only one that uh, a lot of ended up being in that band was my friend Brian Ray, who plays with Paul McCartney. Okay. And he he was in our side band because the band was five singers. It was kind of like the Mamas and the Papas. Okay. That's nice. And then, you know, we ended up having a band. I ended up marrying the bass player. I mean, it goes on, it goes on and on. That was the first husband? That was the first husband who taught me about Otis Redding and Al Green. I think that's why I married him. Oh, those are both good stories. Yep. Both ended sadly. Well, how, ended. not so terrible, but there was a bad story in the Al Green story. Yeah. How did he... Otis, plane crash. Right, but Al, didn't he get in trouble for, for some... a woman threw a pot of boiling water on him? Or was no. it the other way? What? I can't remember. Oh, that. yeah, no, no, you're right. And then he became yeah. a reverend. Yeah. He, he got God because he was out of his mind. Yeah, and the on... music suffered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes God doesn't help music. <laughs> Sometimes you got to turn your back on God and take the tricks elsewhere. That's right. Uh, it's always a price to pay. So he learned, the bass player taught you about that. He did. He was very, he played in a band called the Soul Survivors. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Express was Way to Your Heart. Oh, is that it? So I married him. And uh, so those people, they were in that band, yeah. but nobody else you would know. And uh -huh. after that, I just I was like a singer for for hire. I had bands. I was trying to get record deals. So I with the record broke. company, oh, you had an agent and a record company that kind of would say like, oh, we got a girl that does this. And oh no, no agent. There was no, no agent at that point. And then I lost my record deal. And so I, I remember when I um, I worked with Bette Midler for five years, and that How was, was that? that was pretty amazing. That was pretty great. I went all around the world with her. People love her. Love her. And it was that was an open cattle call audition. That was like hundreds of girls lined up, uh -huh. you know, to go into this soundstage and sing and dance. Why no acting? I didn't want to. Oh, it's just, I, it was just it was just really to. I was going to be a music. Uh, that was it. I just didn't even. How many I, solo records you put out? I've put out uh, my first one was when I was on Married with Children. I still did not give up, and so I got a deal on Virgin Records, and I put out a solo record. I've put out four. Mm. I think four solo records. I just keep, I make them, you know, now I just make them. And at that point I was very invested in like, okay, people are going to take me seriously. I wrote every song on this record. I know I'm an actor, but I'm a musician. Uh -uh. I want them to know this part of me And then too. I'd go on those radio tours yeah. and I'd be like, could you say Al? And I was yeah. like, no, yeah, I, yeah. this is they not happening. Care. Morning radio? No, yeah, they no. don't care. So now, now I just make records because I like to make records. That's great. And I have a band and I play in my band. And That's nice. I know, it's super great. It's kind of like, well, I'm sure, I mean, you make your living as an actor and as a stand-up, yes? Yeah, and I was, and this. And this. Yeah. Yeah, and this. But what's your first love? Mm. Comedy? Mm. Who knows? You don't love any? No, you do. <laughs> I um, I do comedy because I have to, in my mind, in my heart. Like, it's like a, oh, it's a it's calling. it's a soul thing. Yeah. Um, I don't always love it, and I and oddly, since we've had this year of terror off and grief for me, I haven't missed it that much. And mm. in, in a way, you know, like I, it, it's a compulsive thing. It's 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 how I uh, own my space in the world. It runs pretty deep, but love is a weird. Like I can't romanticize it. It's like a, it's like eating huh. in a way. 
uh, I do like to play guitar. I do like I, I like the music, but I'm not that I'm not that confident. I've gotten pretty good at it. Good. But I should. It's one of those things where it's like I should play with other people a bit. Yes, it's but, great. Uh, and, and acting sort of relatively new of for me to get to understand how to make it satisfying. Right. Yeah, it takes a minute. I mean, when I first came to acting, actors hate when I say this, mm. but it just sort of happened. I didn't really have, I didn't go to acting school and I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't train for it. Yeah. It was more a last minute, like I was so broke. I was so broke that I was like, uh, I got to just open any door that comes along. And I ended up doing this little musical that these friends of mine wrote yeah. in a garage. Right. And agents came to see it and they came to see it because Pam Adlon was in it. Pammy was in it with me. This is when Pammy was like I know, 16. Pam. Yeah. And they came down. What was to, that called? It was called Backstreet. Uh-huh. And we went and we were in this old play and these agents approached me and they said, do you want to have an agent? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to be an actor. And they kept coming. They came like two or three times. And then finally I realized they said, yeah, but you could work as an actor. And I was like, oh, oh well, okay. So yeah. I just said yes. And Well, how come you're broke? Because I was broke because, what you know. What year is that? This was 19, I wasn't sober yet, so it was 1984. But I mean, like, what you, so you're touring with Bette Mittler all over the world, and then you tour with other people. There's not a lot of money in that, or you're just doing too many drugs and fucking up. All that. You know, you have kids yet? No, no kids. And no, you, no, no, no. Who else do no. you tour with? I toured with Etta, I toured with Bette, I toured with Tanya Tucker. Oh, she's great. Oh, she was great. When she was with Glenn Campbell. Oh, oh I had great stories, and he was on the bus with us, and, and, uh, yeah, I did that. a great that. guitar player. Oh, an amazing, an amazing guy. A great guitar player. Yeah, he was in his kind of, um, oh, I could say some stuff. I'll, I'll tell you later. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, he, uh, and then I, I did a lot of session stuff. I sang on Olivia Newton-John's records. I was kind of like, I never learned how to read music, but yeah. I have a very good ear. So I'd be, you right. know, yeah. I could kind of eke by. I also had a manager that was throwing me money if I couldn't pay my rent. How bad are you in the drugs? How bad was I at that point? Yeah. Pretty bad. I was Mostly pretty- blow or what? Uh, it was blow. It was uh, pills. It was alcohol. It was, I was kind of like a little chemist. I was very, I was what they call high bottom in yeah. terms of I was still functioning in the world. Sure, sure. And like when well, I- Well, you were also in a world that was saturated with drugs and booze. Saturated. That was just the life, right? That was the life. Mm. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I started working in television and I realized, oh, shit, you know, I can't stay up till four in the morning. This is a real job. I got to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and my first job on television, I'll never forget, the woman who was in it was a sober person. And uh, she would talk about what it. What job was that? I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say. Go it ahead. was with Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, okay. And Mary, Mary was well known as a sober person. Yeah. And I remember uh, I went to that job and she would talk about it and I'd lie to her. I'd say, yeah, yeah I'm sober too. Oh, and I'm no. thinking, oh, I'm such a yeah. fucking liar. Years, years later, she was my Eskimo. Years later, I took her out in New York and I told her the truth. And I, I said, I have to thank you because you are the reason I ended up in a room. I mean, she's one of the reasons. What show was that? It was called The Mary Show. It was Mary Tyler Moore's return uh, after 
the big Mary Tyler Moore show. Sure. She played a divorcee. Danny DeVito directed it. He gave me the gig. This is me, like little rock singer. I'm like, what's happening? And they yeah. bring me in. So he and this is after the, you do the play with Pam? No, this is after, as soon as I signed with an agent, I yeah. got a gig at the at the Mark Taper in a big musical, like okay. a okay. opera, a rock yeah. opera. I okay. played a Russian Jew in a rock opera. Great. That I didn't speak one word, and I sobbed and cried, and CBS said, you want to be on a comedy? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll come audition. Yeah. So I got the job, and, and then there was Mary, and it was a whole new thing to me. What was she like? She was very, this, now I understand why she was what she was. She was guarded. She was very, um, uh, like, not super engaging. Not, and I think it's like because she was Mary people? Tyler Moore. No, not cold, mm. just self-protective. Okay. You know, you're, you're Mary Tyler Moore. A I mean, star, yeah. You know, so she was, but she was great. I mean, she was awesome with me. Like, I didn't even know how to put my face in the light. She yeah. would come over and lift my chin up and say, here, you know, you do this, um, Yeah, do that. I still don't know which camera I'm yeah, on. Me neither. Or when they say camera left, camera right, I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean? <laughs> just raise a hand. I just, like, I started to learn how to say, like, which, where's my camera? So we're, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> which one are we? Okay. That, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in hindsight, I realized, because that job ended, I'm still not sober, and I just thought, well, I'll just go back to my rock and roll, my sure. job, my day, jo- my real job. And you started doing the background stuff again? Studio no, I stuff? got married with children, like almost within three months. Oh, I got so that's that's what happened. I I I left that job with then Mary. I, yeah, and then shit got bad. What like what 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 is what does that mean? Well, I mean, what, if we're talking, what does that look like? Uh, I had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, see, it's already it's already a boyfriend, already- right? <laughs> That's already terrible. I know. His name was Spider. Oh, there you go. Better. It's getting better. Yeah. And uh, Spider and I were, you know, he was in a band uh, with this guy named Chucky Weiss. I don't yeah, know if down, you know yeah, Chucky. Yeah, Chucky. Uh, and Chucky's the in love. Liars. Yeah, yeah the, Chucky's in the love. The Cantor scene. Yeah, I was. I was at the Cantor scene with Ricky Lee Jones and yeah, Tom the, Waits and Chucky yeah. Weiss and yeah, all that and Spider so you, and Spider. So you knew young Tom. I met young Tom. Oh, okay. I didn't actually know him. Mm. I knew Chuck. I okay. knew Chuck really well. And I and I know Ricky. Yeah. And um and uh so anyway, so yeah. yeah. Spider. Yeah. Did spider. she write a song about spider? No, too? I feel she, like I've I, heard I don't, of spider. No, I don't think she wrote okay. a song about spider. Spider wasn't in love. Chuck was in love. I was in love with spider. Of course and you were. Of course I was. <laughs> and uh yeah, it got it got pretty it got, yeah. you know. It just got be- it just got like how it gets, which is like a yeah. daily thing and yeah. not good. And, yeah, you yeah. know, and and I always kind of knew I knew from uh, early on that that something was yeah. up, that this is not good. That you couldn't control it. That I couldn't control it. Right. That's what I knew. And so, what? Who got you? What, how'd you end up at uh, over at the log cabin? At the log cabin. <laughs> Actually, Yucca was my first meeting. She, uh, Spider broke. Spider oh, ran I know off. That church on Yucca. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if they have meetings there anymore. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But Spider, uh, yeah, Spider ran off with somebody, and yeah. I went to the meeting looking for Chuck, who's who was He's already in the club, uh-huh. hoping to find Spider. And I, <laughs> and I kind of walked in, and uh, there were a bunch of people I knew. And they were like, oh, you're finally here. We've been saving your seat. And I just thought... What are they talking? Yeah, what do they mean? Where's Spider? Where's the Spider? Fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
sit down, shut up. You know, those were the early <laughs> yeah, sobriety yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Sit down, shut up, wash this coffee cup. Yeah, Don't say anything. Right. And I just heard stuff and yeah. and then I just kept going. I I think I was still looking for We him, had so many friends there though. I did, so I like, had a lot know, of friends. Like, I'm sure they wouldn't let you leave after that. Well, and plus you know, I mean I knew I knew yeah. I knew it was you know, Time. it's dark. It it's you know, Chasing how many it. nights yeah, can you go through worst. that? We're just jangled all the time. You know, and your prayer is, God, please get me through not. this one. Yeah. You know, Oh, yeah. The worst. The Laying worst. in bed. Yeah. And you can't even sleep. You can't sleep. You can't do anything. The worst. Well, good. So then, so there I am. I'm sober. And Start. then I- <laughs> And then you got the gig. And then I started working more as an actor. Yeah. Then my whole sort of- In fact, I was two months sober when I started working on Married with Children. How'd you get that job? Went to an audition. I mean, my by this time I have an agent, yeah. right? So she sends me out. She sends me the script. She goes, this is a network that isn't even a network yet. <laughs> so we got a good shot right. at this. No, and I thought, oh, well, right up my alley. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not really, a, I'm, I'm not your mainstream actor. Right, They're going right. to like me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I've never really fit. I still kind of don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't really fit into the actor community so much. Yeah. And, uh, better off. And then I really didn't. Yeah. Then I was just like, yeah. you know. So right. I went in and uh, auditioned and and wore funny clothes. And Ed O'Neill was there, and we got there were like, you know how they pair you up. Yeah. And Eddie and I just, you know, I don't know if you know Ed, but he's a, just don't. a super regular dude. Yeah. He's just yeah. not actory. Right. And um, we got on great. So now, how much of the character is your creation? Like, how is it written versus? I think it was written more to be uh, slovenly. Uh-huh. You know, it was supposed to be like Roseanne and, J- oh, and oh, Sam like, Kinison. Oh, right, right. Who right. I adored. And I thought, no, when I read it, yeah. I really thought, no, they have to have something going on. Because uh-huh. these two people have not been married either, so they have to have either a great sex life or uh-huh. something's going on. So I, I sexed her up. I yeah. went in all, you know, like dolled up and, uh-huh. you know. yeah. Kind of like a 50s housewife right, in a way. Right. Yeah, or yeah. a little tight dress. This is like know. a defining part of the show. Well, they liked it. They yeah. liked the hit on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, that was always my thing. Like, if these people are going to fight and, you know, she, you know, something has to be. Can you imagine? Can you believe what a lightning rod that show was at that time? <sighs> Unbelievable. And how it defined that network, you know, for to this day. And that if it weren't for your show, like The Simpsons probably wouldn't have happened. But it was a cultural lightning rod. Can you imagine a, a, such an innocent time where Married with Children was the uh, oh. lightning rod, the cultural yeah. lightning rod? We were all stunned. I mean, I think, you know, for the first three years, you couldn't even get it unless you had like rabbit ears on your TV. For, you couldn't was, get no, the net Fox. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't get Fox. And so we didn't even know it was successful. We knew nothing. And then right. we kind of, Ed and I, will never forget, we went on some tour of bowling alleys or, I don't know, they sent us out on some like something. Yeah. And everybody was relating, you know, and we'd get fan mail saying, oh, my family is just like that. Or I live next door to those people or blah, blah. Right, yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, this is really... Uh, People are, uh, this is like regular people. It was a great of. caricature of a certain type of America. Yeah, it really, really was. People, people liked her clothes. It. People wanted my Peg's clothes. I mean, it was it was wild. It could land on either side. The people that got the joke and then the people that were the joke. Oh, totally. And then the people <laughs> that hated the joke and then, you know, boosted our ratings because they kept trying to get us off the air. Right, right. The uh, It was mo- mostly lefties, right? No, it was this one woman, I'll never forget, we sent her flowers every year. Her name was Terry Ricolta. 
And Terry Ricolta wrote this whole thing about, you know, her kid can't, you know, this is not okay for children. So, oh, oh, bah, bah, okay. bah, oh so it was like, tried uh, to get us off the air. Karen's. Yeah. The old version exactly. of the Karen. Yeah. And all it did was got us on the front of the New York Times and, you know, it doubled our audience as people she was trying. Yeah, they loved it. It, and then, uh, it aggravated people. Yeah, it really did. So, well, that was, it was a great run. It was a long run, you know, got you, she must have made you pretty rich. Yeah, I got pretty rich. Yeah. And then I got pretty poor too, because I then I then I got divorced. And well, wait, what? So when did you start having kids? I started having kids when I was on Married with Children. My first child I lost. It was really another sad. You know, I got sad stories. I had a stillborn child, and they had written it into the to the series. Uh huh. And then I lost that baby. Oh. And so that was horrible. So oh, they made God. it blah blah. And then after that, I went on to have my two older kids, and, yeah. and I was pregnant on the show. And then they would send me home and pay me. They were so like, just go they home, lay down. The, they weren't going to take the risk uh-uh. again. Uh uh-uh. uh. So it was a great. Oh, but that was, must have been so brutal to, oh. to have that expectation, then have to go to set and like. Ugh, it was horrible. It was really, really heartbreaking. But I also look at it like I wouldn't have the you know these amazing two older kids that I have if that hadn't happened. I wouldn't have anything. You know. Oh, so you so in the divorce you were the you were the one with the money. Is that what happened? Yes. It's the fucking worst. It was hard. <laughs> and this was the first husband, the bass Second player. Second husband. Uh, this is the drummer. Oh, okay, the drummer. I, I Who I only have kind things to say about now because two kids with him. Two kids with okay. him, and I wouldn't have them without him. So and you guys get along. The kids get along with both of you. Uh, ev- yeah, everybody's Good. okay. Everybody happens, right? You know, eventually. Eventually, it took. It's taken some time, but eventually, yeah. Uh huh. And you landed on your feet. Landed on my feet. Somebody said to me, "Oh, don't worry about money. You know, yeah, you'll Someone make more money." To I, when I when my when I went through that divorce from that woman, uh, see, right when you start talking about it, yeah, it comes like it's sort of, and I'm way over it. But the point being, yes, people said, "Don't worry about the money." I'm like, "You don't. I got nothing going," and uh, and I landed on my feet. Yeah, you land on your feet. I don't know. You know, that's kind of how I I sort of live my life like that now too. I just sort of feel like, well, this looks like the shittiest thing that could ever happen. Mm. However, uh, I've I've been there before, and then it wasn't the shittiest thing that's ever happened. So maybe maybe I'm gonna look at it that way. Well, what I start to realize is that none of it's unusual. It's something humans go through, no matter what it is. Right. There's nothing that's going to happen to you that's going to be like that's never happened to a human before. Oh, absolutely. And there's something comforting about that. It really, and that goes from going broke to getting sick to death, whatever. All of it. It yeah. also goes to you know the thing that you think is impossible to accomplish. And yeah. If you can find that one person that's done it, right? Then that means you can do it too. Sure. So, but also there is something to be said about acknowledging your limitations. Like I'm not going to be an astronaut. Oh that's, yeah. It's not. I know. I think that comes with age. I think so. I think, you know, like and it's the, helpful. But I wish you could do it. I, I recommend it, people do it. Young. You know, if you have talent, understand what and how to use it so it doesn't strangle you from the inside, you know? Uh, yeah, but how do you avoid, if you're creative, not being strangled from the inside? <laughs> it's kind know. of all, I think it all kind of goes hand in There's hand. There's some things I can't understand. Me I can't. too. The self loathing thing and, and how that becomes an engine. I don't. I don't quite understand that, and I don't like when people think that you do it on purpose. 
because it's like, why would anyone do that? Right. Why would anyone nurture that? Like this idea, it's like, you're just like that so you can create. I'm like, I, believe me. No. <laughs> I do not. I don't want to be like this. No. I mean, it's it's all, the whole, you know, it's like trying to turn your head off. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to think this I've much. Got, I've gotten better, man. Do you meditate? I I I am an inconsistent meditator. I've been so yes. on it lately. Have you been meditating a but lot? But I, I didn't do it for years. Right. I just started like four or five months ago. Oh, that's odd. What kind of, do just you breath. have a breath? I do Andy Biddle dummy. Huh. I always fuck his name up. Headspace app. Oh, yeah, yeah. Andy Every, Biddlecombe. Yeah, you're the third person like, recently. I should listen to. I went it's to a teacher. A, it's, and, just guided, it's just a guided breath meditation. It's right. not, there's no visuals. It's counting breaths, staying in the breath. When thoughts come, get back to the breath. That's it. Do you do it more than once a day? Or? Once a day, 15 minutes. Okay, fun. that's great. See, see, I went to a teacher who said to me, you have to do this twice a day for 20 minutes. And I was like- That's the could, TM thing. TM. And I could, and I've done that consistently for periods of time and then I can't, and then then I screw up my own expectation. You know, my expectation is like, well, if I can't do it twice a day, I'm just not going to do it at all. And so that's so messed up. That, this, that's the only thing I'm learning from it all during this thing, this lockdown and whatever we've all been through is like- if I don't have this routine, right, and like I, I don't like now I get up like I, I started doing like five sun salutations, about ten minutes of yoga, and then I do the meditation every day. But I also work out with a trainer three times a week and hike twice a week, so I'm like on it. Wow! But I do it even when I wake up. It's like that thing about when you first get sober, you make your bed. That oh, shit. Yeah. Like I still do it. Right. Like I get up to today, I'm like maybe I'll just put the meditation off, and, and then I'm and then I'm doing it. Right. I'm I'm, I'm doing the med like. That voice is secondary now. Oh, I love that. Right. And do you feel better or do you feel centered? I or? feel like I did it. Right, which <laughs> is good. Right. It's a lot of it. I don't know what the meditation is doing for me. I think it's a cumulative effect. I mean, to me, what I was under, what I understand and what I've experienced mm. is that you spend that time observing your thoughts, right? That's what meditation is. Well, you do so see the difference detach. between you and your brain. Exactly. That's happening, right? Where the difference between mind and brain, right? Yeah. So then you don't attach so much to all those crazy thoughts. Well, it's like that's all, that whole thing about feelings aren't aren't thoughts or whatever. Aren't but facts. That, aren't facts. But but like I still have problems with that. They kind of are facts. Hmm. They may not. You may not. The the thoughts that go with feelings may not be the greatest, and you might not want to act on them. But you know, feelings are feelings. But like I think it's like that sober thing too, where it's just sort of. The, the next right thing, like there's that trick of getting into the present where right. you really start to realize, and I've known this for a long time, but I don't think I've known it as deeply since I've meditated that most of what you're reacting to, your brain is making up oh. for one reason or another. Completely. You know, and you don't have much control over that, but you can with meditation separate it. Right. More successfully, I think. I have a friend who's a big meditator who yeah. always tells me that the brain is uh, the brain's purpose is to tell you to turn right uh, and then to turn left uh -huh. and then to get you know go when the light is green right and we we assign all these other things to the brain the brain is not to figure out all, all the stuff that we try to figure out well yeah and I used to say that all the time I just got to figure out I just got to figure this out I just got to figure you know. And it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, alcoholic. think your way through it. Well, it's dumb. Well, and then you know that's the whole deal. What are you going to figure out, though? Yeah, figuring out is not a step. Is not a. Yeah, and then there's just the the the, the paranoia, the resentment journey. Oh no, 
yeah. where he's just like it comes out of nowhere. Like I, I'm grateful as fuck, and there's I, everything's fine. Everything is fine. I my, I cannot sit with that. Like even during this fucking lockdown, every day my nature is to get up and go like, oh fuck, I gotta. What? Right. What do you have? To, nothing. Yeah. What do you? What do you? There's nothing. Well, it's an alcoholic response. You know, if you really believe that alcoholism lives in your brain, yeah. which is really what it is, the yeah. substances aren't really what it's about. Yeah. The alcoholic thinking is yeah. what fucks with us and You're it right. tells you, uh-oh, before yeah. it says, oh boy. It's like, you know, you wake up just like, oh. Here we go. Here we go. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, through the process of recovery, I don't think it ever stops. That's what I've learned. I, I don't think that that initial sort of, uh-oh. This is my 22nd stops. year. Yeah, so you just learn how to manage it. That's my experience. You just learn how to not. Yeah, and some, but you know what happens though is like you re, you do deeply realize and understand that some shit just is not that important, oh. and you know that's the relief of age and sobriety. Is that like, yeah, it's like what the fuck was I worked up about? Like right. if you think back on all the insanity, oh it's like this God. is so stupid. I know. <laughs> I mean, I used to really, yeah, 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 yeah. Relationships and work. Those are my, those are my oh, big insane, I mean, you know, trying to figure out what if and this is going to happen. I mean, nothing is, you know, it's like, you know how it's funny when people say to you, uh, how do you make those career decisions? How did you plan to do blah, blah, blah? And what you're just you like, what about? do you mean? <laughs> I didn't plan anything. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's right. And, yeah. you know. Somebody offers you this and you take, you know, it's really... Flying by the seat of your pants. Exactly. Trying to hide your desperation. Exactly. That's what I, uh, that's what I feel too. But like I, yeah, relation, like six years ago, I had, I, I asked a, a, a mentally ill person to marry me. Oh, wow. Like I would like, I never realized the depth of my codependency until I got into a relationship where I could not see it. Yeah. It's and like everyone thing. around me is like, dude, no one said anything, of course. Right. But I like I broke up with this woman and I had to take out a restraining order and I got back together with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that shit is done. Not that's not going to happen to me again. See, that stuff, I think when it gets that extreme, I really do think you you, you one and done. I think you learn it. I think you really know. Then you see the signs. Especially if you dodge the fucking bullet. You dodged a bullet. Yeah. I remember my second marriage and I, I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to. Ugh. And there was all kind of shit going on. And I was like, I, I got to get out of here. And I couldn't get out. I was like, and, uh, you know, my next husband, who's my current husband, I would like, you know, I yeah. just was more aware. Yeah. I, I just yeah. had a better picker. I remember my first coffee date with my current husband. I took my sponsor with me. Really? <laughs> Yeah, because I thought I don't, I don't know what's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, I, so I, I brought my up. security team. I did. <laughs> like, and halfway through, she goes, "Yeah, I think you're good. It's okay." So she <laughs> left. <laughs> That's cute. It was well. It was necessary. I was not, you know. Yeah. I don't like to repeat my. I don't know. That's one of the benefits of, benefits of sobriety. I, I don't know where the fuck I got the energy. Man. I don't know. Like I look like I just got a kitten, you know, and I've been through oh. this shit with these cats before, you know, where it's just you forget the insanity. But like when I look back at certain relationships, like even the horrible ones where I was a monster and whatever, like I don't know where it comes from, but it's it's probably still in there somewhere. The monster? Sure. Oh, 100 percent. Are yeah. you kidding? I don't think we lose our defects i mean that's why you know the benefit of sobriety is the benefit and the and the struggle yeah. is now you're awake 
You, right, you right, are right. Awake. You can make choices. You have you, and you have no choice but to do. I mean, I suppose you can just live in bad behavior. You can just sort of do that. However, you're just you know, you're awake and aware, and you have to take responsibility, and you're accountable. It's you're terrible. all that shit, oh, man. That I'll tell terrible. you what. I know, right? <laughs> so then you go shopping too much, and hopefully you don't. have... <laughs> I just try to balance sugar and caffeine. And- <laughs> Like, I can't even let myself do the shopping to the degree I, sh- I, I should uh, have a good time. Ugh. I know. So we all right? We good? We get it all covered? I think so. I don't know. We did didn't talk much any, about work. Oh, we did we talk did about the my beginning. TV show. Yeah. It was like, it was like a, yesterday. Watch my already. new TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Rebel. It's just Rebel. 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 She's saving the world. She's trying to, yeah. She's actually a very- Very entertaining. Uh, she's an empowering- Thanks for saying that. She's an empowering- um, what I like playing about her the most is she empowers other people. She's not. It's all about that. She's yeah. not about here. Let me let me catch the fish for you. It's about yeah. here. Take the pole. Yeah. Go down to the stream. Yeah. And figure it out. Yeah. No, it's enjoyable. Great. Um, did you do any juice stuff? Any Over the ju- juice stuff? No, I don't. I you know my dad was like my dad was more a socialist than anything else. He was sure. not a religious Jew. Mm. One time we had a Passover. <laughs> this is funny. We had a Passover service at my house, and my dad put on this record by this guy named Moisha Oisha. Yeah, and he was trying to follow the record. Right. And so my little Yiddish grandmother comes over and was so <laughs> condescending yeah. and mean to him, yeah. and just like laughed at him. Yeah. So that was it. There, there went the record. There went Passover. There that went it? you know that was it. But you never went over to the Lears or anything like that. Oh you know? no, no, I did. I had I had Passover with the Lears about five years ago. He, all of us came over, over and yeah, and he had all the kids over in my family. Uh, and the many Lear kids, the many, and then their generations. Lear kids. Yes, yes, he's got awesome kids. Well, he's got a kid that's in his twenties or thirties. Uh, twins, yeah, they're girls. They're twins. Oh, okay, yeah, that he had with Lynn. Uh huh. They're wonderful. They're great. He's you know I love Norman. I did his podcast just a little while ago. I didn't know he had one. He did. I, the last time I saw him was at, uh, I think it was at Bob Saget's birthday party. Oh. Is that possible? Yeah, it's a Bob Saget's birthday party at somebody's house that's built on the, where the Tate house was, the Sharon Tate house was. Big producer of of probably that show Bob was on. Oh, yeah. I was at a party at that house, too, and Tom Jones performed. Is that the same house? Probably. Big old house. Oh, my God. I went, I went with striking. Craig Schumacher. Do you know Craig Schumacher? Yeah, sure. So Craig invited the me love to the, master. the love master. So yeah. he invited me to this party and we went and he goes, come to this thing. And Tom Jones is going to, you know, and I, I was yeah. like, hey, man, it's one in the morning. Where's yeah. Tom Jones? Yeah. I'm tired. Now. Yeah. And he came. And he finally showed up. Yeah. Me and uh, Norman and I think Bill Burr uh, had a cigar. The old man smoked wow, a cigar. I love it. Was 90s. it by the grotto? Do you remember yeah. that water grotto? It's it was like, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's but this is the house that that guy built, right? The producer, uh, yeah. Of of uh, f- what was the show that um, Saget was on? You know the uh, with fine. Bob with oh. um, the drummer with John Stamos. Yes, 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 yes. My kids, well, my kid watches it now. Not growing. I, I don't can't think of the name now. But yes, so stupid. That show made a billion dollars. That guy a billion dollars and built that house. What was a pleasure? It was really nice to see you, meet you. I feel like I had met you before, but I don't know if I have. Well, we've known each other for centuries. Have we? Sure. It's good to go back in many lives, all the way back to the Ukraine. Ah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It does seem the older you get, feels like you know everybody. Well, there's some people you you know, you just kind of, you get a sense of. You vibe you know, with. You're going to have some hand sanitizer? I am. Knock yourself out. I will. Thank you. Well, good luck with the show. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm thrilled to have been here. It's nice to see you. Bye. Bye. 
How was that? That was great, right? How good was that? I have to get her. I gave her a mug and it broke and she hasn't gotten back to me. I want to get her a, a mug, a Brian Jones mug that isn't broken. It's so nice to have people back in the room here. Also, did I mention Katie's new show, uh, Rebel, airs Thursdays on ABC. It premieres tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. I did two takes on this music because the first one I didn't want. And I just landed on another, another stinky blues riff. That moved me in the moment. and the Fonda cat angels fucking everywhere but Sammy the Red is here and Buster's on top of it too many cats (laughs) 